I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to broad street hockey radio that's right bsh radio my name is bill Matz. i'm your director of fun and games for the evening there was a huge huge win in philadelphia yesterday and the eagles won too Travis Connect, the OT winner, biggest thing that happened in Philadelphia between the hours of 1230 and 3. Uh, I had fun watching that game, at least. We had uh, one of our watch parties down at, what the hell was the place Victoria called? Free Victoria Freehouse. Victoria Freehouse. Great fish and chips. I did not get fish and chips. Oh, Whatever you I got, got chocolate t- French oh toast. Oh, my God. It looks- I think that sounds between, really good. Between like all of us, we had most of the menu. Yeah, we pretty much did. <laughs> and that was me. So we have a good show for you this week. We are all in good spirits. I barely have a voice. It is hanging on by a thread after the riot on Broad Street last night. But we will get through this. Uh, like I said, I'm Bill Matthew, Director of Fun Games for the Evening. Let me introduce you to the panel from theathletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Bill, I I have I have thoughts on, on the Flyers thoughts and, prayers. and how they evaluate defensemen at the NHL level. <laughs> and actually just how they evaluate defensemen in general. So I'm beginning to think that they just actually I'm not I'm past the point of beginning to think. I legitimately believe it. They do not believe in the concept of advanced metrics for defensemen. For forwards, I think they, they may look at it. And for defensemen, I'm sure they know it. But I don't. I think they believe that the concept of PDO, that defensemen don't have dramatic, uh, they don't have dramatic impact on shooting on a shooting percentage and on a save percentage. I think they think it's fake news because you see it up and down the organization. Every single questionable move by this coaching staff seems to be driven by the idea that goal-based results matter more than shot and chance results. The underlying process doesn't matter. All that matters is whether there were goals that went in when they were on the ice and that their goals were prevented when they were on the ice as well. Go through them all. Go scratching last year. You could I mean you can argue that it was a defensive problem. You could also argue with the fact that the that the Flyers only scored on less than five percent of their shots when he was on the ice, and that made his plus minus look bad and they had to fix something because they couldn't couldn't just accept that maybe he just had bad luck. Brandon Manning over Travis Sanai, which we will talk about a lot tonight. Robert Haig is a top four defenseman. Heck, even Mark Friedman in the AHL 
is driving play at an incredibly high level based on the, the numbers that uh, that Brad Keffer tracks for us at Broad Street Hockey, yet he's gotten scratched on multiple occasions because his goals for a percentage sucks. I think this is an organization, organization-wide thing, and if there's one thing that I could sway Hextall and Hackstall's opinion on, it would be the idea that process matters more than results in terms of evaluating defensemen for the long term. What if... The idea, okay, so PDO is just basically trying to measure luck. Yes. What if they recognize it and realize that it's— And they just don't care. No, what if they're <laughs> just like, ah, he's unlucky this year. Ah, yeah, we got to get his bad luck out of here. Oh, it's geez. bad. It's, we just got to get rid of the bad luck. I would want to die. You, you've got no business running <laughs> a, a sports team. No, like, that's what we do. But that's the, the <laughs> superstition that's is, is us. <laughs> like, yeah. if, if, you're, if you're a professional running a sports organization, you shouldn't have superstition like that. I'm just, not, even, not superstition, just being like, oh, yeah, he's having a, an unlucky year, so... Eh. So fuck him. We're gonna win. No, we're, we're, we'll just win without him, and then mm. he'll be good next year. But the year. problem is, is that just because someone got lucky in the first half of the year does not mean they're going to get lucky in the second half of the year. And just because someone got unlucky in the first half of the year does not mean they're going to get unlucky in the second half of the year. There is no repeatability to PDO. It's totally random and subject to massive fluctuations over the course of a year. So if you're judging your defenseman based on whether the goalies happen to stop more pucks when they're on the ice, you're going to make crazy decisions like sending Travis Sanheim down and keeping Brandon Manning in the lineup. Yep. The fly by herself, Kelly Hankel. Yeah, so um, if you guys don't subscribe to The Athletic, today's a good day to get it because what you can do is you can read Charlie's in-depth article about the Flyers' choices when it comes to their blue line, and you can just feel the life drain out of you as you go through the article. It's, it's a lot of fun, actually. So I would highly recommend that you do that. But um, I decided today during a very robust morning hockey conversation that I cannot with Ron Hextall anymore. Just cannot. I just can't. Can't even. Kelly yeah. Kelly is out on I'm, I'm exhausted. Like, it's not even anger anymore. It's it's like when your parents aren't mad at you. They're disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I am Are you now. at the point of just like, ah, we're just going to have to send this kid to military Yeah, like, school. Ron, I really, <laughs> we I can't tried him. so we hard. send him somewhere else. I gave you so many chances, and I gave you my trust. Yeah. And this is what you've done. No dessert for a week. No. Welcome to the resistance. I'm taking the car away. <laughs> My broadcast partner in crime, Steph Felicia's D. Steph Driver. How are you tonight, Steph? I'm Go Birds. <laughs> um, I have. I want to read a quote, and it's from Nolan Patrick. I really thought you were going to say, "I want to read a poem." Uh, that, that would well, be kind of awesome. I'm going to read a poem for next week. That's happening. This could be a poem. Okay, but it's a quote. I feel like I've really been focusing on supporting the puck better, playing faster, and I know. My line mates will find me if I'm coming through the middle with speed. Hmm. From Nolan Patrick. From Nolan Patrick, who has spent a lot of the year playing with Dale Weiss. And he's no longer playing with Dale Weiss. And we're seeing speed from him, I think, for the first time. Yeah. Imagine that. Good players playing well when surrounded by other good players. Now I know that Charlie wants to say he started the season with Wheel and Simmons. And, and he's played with Konechny a lot. And he played with Konechny a lot. However, hey, Charlie, I've made you? the argument on this show that Konechny and Weiss canceled each other out and Nolan Patrick was just floating by himself. And I would like to say in the beginning of the season, he was probably still dealing with some injury, surgery, 
stuff. So, welcome back, Nolan Patrick. Uh, Nolan Patrick, I said for a while I expected him to have a better second half than first half. Um, We've said for, you know, since preseason, the biggest problem with this team is that they don't have enough good players. So someone had to play with Dale Weiss. That was just the way it was. They penciled them in in that top nine spot like, oh, it's yours. Uh, and that was silly. But uh, they just don't have enough good players to go around at, at the moment. That's why Scott Lawton apparently has to play with uh, Yuri Laterra because I guess a Philpola Laterra line would be a disaster. I mean, that so would be kind of funny. It are, would be kind of funny. Are we going to get into Yuri Laterra in we this can. show? We, we can. See why not? But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I fully plan on it. Well, um, one point I do want to make, though, um, regarding that Patrick quote, is that I don't. I, I I think I was there for that. It didn't. He was answering your question. Yeah, like it, it didn't strike me <laughs> as like a particularly like you know, I guess mind blowing quote. Because I definitely don't read that as him taking a shot at his former line. No, I don't think that he was taking a shot at them. I think that he was genuinely complimenting the yeah. ones that he's playing with now. Exactly. However, <laughs> I'm going to read into it as saying maybe he didn't have that earlier. And that's why it's like, oh, and well, I do, look at that. I do see a lot of... Uh, I do see a couple of things that have changed about Nolan Patrick. Everyone has commented that he looks faster. We've said, yeah, when you're not terrified of making the wrong decision because, you know, you're 19 in the NHL for the first time, you're going to be apprehensive. You're going to be questioning what to do, and that makes you slower. And for a guy not blessed with tremendous foot speed to begin with, he's going to look like he doesn't belong just based on speed. Um, I, I just think he's confident. I think he knows just more what to do. I think he's got his feet wet at the NHL level uh, and it's starting to show. You're starting to see more of the guy that we thought we signed up for when we had a whole bar chanting Nolan Patrick. Oh my god. Remember that? That was a fun day. That was fun. We should do that again. That was good. We should so win more draft lotteries. My hot take to start the show, guys, <laughs> mm -hmm. is that I don't have a hot take. The team is winning and uh, I just I can't get too upset when they're winning, like I realize there are some adjustments that could be made, and there are definitely ways uh, that I could be happier. But to quote the legend, Ebby Calvin Lelouch, I love winning. I fucking love winning. You hear what I'm saying? It's like better than losing. Is this true? The Flyers I, I are winning, <clears throat> and I can't be too upset. Like, I go and watch the game on TV, and then they score the goals, and I'm happy. And they win the game. Yeah, Am like, I supposed to know who that person is? It's Nuke Lelouch. It's, it's from Bull Durham. Yeah, it's Bull Durham. You never saw it. Okay, so here's the thing, and I'm going to challenge you on this to start off the show before okay. we get into the specifics of what uh -huh. happened today. Because it was essentially the focus of Charles' article, and it was the focus of a lot of conversation that was going on in Flyers fandom today. Yes, the team is winning, but they are winning despite the incredibly shitty decisions being made by the front office and coaching staff. Okay. And that is going to change at some point. Will it? Like, okay, yeah. here's, a, here's, here's an analogy that I would like to use because I read Charlie's article as well, and I thought of Ooh. this, and I thought this is what we were going to be talking about today. Yes. Uh, I believe, and I believe for most of the year, that Mac Hollins should have been playing over Tory Smith. He's better. He's younger. You've he's going to be here already. in the long term. The so why not bring him along and develop him that way? Except they started winning. So why make changes? And when the Eagles win the Super Bowl in two weeks and I'm standing there at the parade, you know what I'm not going to be thinking? 
ah, uh, it's not as good because Mac Hollins wasn't the number two receiver. This is a false That's not what I'm going to be thinking. It's just like, yes, Travis Sanheim so a... should be playing. Okay. But I can't get too nuts about it. No, I can get so too nuts about thing. it. So here's the thing. In your turf sport analogy that you've made that I have absolutely no frame of re- reference for, is the man who you want to be playing being blocked by someone who plays football better than him? No. Is that like factual or is that like your opinion? It's my opinion based on what I've seen. Okay. And then, of course, Tory Smith had the game of his life last night. I mean, I don't. Tory. If, if we, we're going to diverge, divert into football for a second, I do agree that I don't think Tory Smith is very good. I am unconvinced that Mac Hollins is very good, but I can see where you're coming from. Now, so, now back to hockey. So my point is. Again, and I, I feel like I but see this his, every his week. His analogy is that you are convinced Travis Sanheim is that good. Yes. He's, so my argument he is, is flawed absolutely there. Yes. Okay. one of the best six defensemen in the Flyer system right I now. I agree. I don't think that's controversial. I don't think that you're pulling that out of anyone's ass. I think that's just a fact based on eye test and based on metrics. However, for some reason, the coach has decided that Brandon Manning is both glue and grit and must be in the lineup in order for this team to be successful. They are winning games. Okay. You take Brandon Manning out, you put Travis Sanheim in, Sanheim in they're probably still winning games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, probably. Dan Carcillo won multiple Stanley Cups. Those teams didn't win Stanley Cups because Daniel Carcillo was in the lineup. They just happened to have him in the lineup and they were winning games. My other thing is, I am a little bit... I feel like it's not going to have that much of a long-term impact because we were sitting here, the four of us, doing this show a year ago, saying all this shit about Ghost and Konechny, and look at them now. No, but they sat for a couple of games, and then they came back in. Did I just hear the Ghost and Konechny sat, so now they're better argument out no, of you? not that it made them better, that it didn't affect them moving forward. Well, here's no, the thing. The I, I, I'm year, not, I'm not, they were treated well again. I'm not so, worried about Travis Sanheim. No. I'm not worried about Travis Sanheim. I'm not worried about his development. I'm worried about this being a fundamental flaw in the process and the thinking of the management that's, that's running the team. Yeah, and that's the thing that I don't understand why people can't separate this. This is not about Travis Sanheim. It's not about – he's not going to be hurt playing with the Phantoms. He's not going to get worse. He's probably not going to get better. He's just going to play hockey. Everything will be fine. Eventually, he will be in the NHL, and he'll be fine and good. The problem is that we have a management who is making decisions based on bad information, whether gut feeling or just not trusting numbers or valuing weird, amorphous intangibles over actual talent, that is a big problem. And if we keep looking at these decisions in a vacuum and saying, ah, they're winning games, Travis Sanheim's going to be fine, who cares? Okay, you're right. This particular one thing, not that big of a deal. But overall, it's a big, big problem that people seem to be ignoring because they're winning games. My issue with that thinking, however, is yes, the way they are using this, uh, the way they are evaluating this situation, if it was the standard, would be a problem. But But it's not how they're evaluating Nolan Mm -hmm. Patrick. It's not how they evaluated Ivan Proverall. All of the defense. That's my thing, is that I'm I'm not concerned (laughs) about the forwards. I'm really not. Like... Yeah, we, we complain about Yuri Letera, we complain about Dale Weiss because they're not that good and they're on the team and something to complain about. But in all honesty, both those guys are playing about the role they should be. You know, maybe Letera shouldn't be on the power play, but he's a fourth liner. Dale Weiss is a fourth liner, he's a healthy scratch. Like they seem to figure out the force. Even the Konechny scratch. Like I will I will say 
without with, without hesitation, that the Konechny scratch made some sense to me because he actually did suck at defense, and he actually would be a better player if he got better defense. Now, the ghost scratch, again, this goes back to my, my original thesis here, which is that there's a problem with the evaluation of defensemen in this organization. And so someone someone commented on my article and said, like, basically said that, like, well, you can look at it as, like, the McDonald, the reason why McDonald's high in the lineup isn't because they think he's good, it's because they, he communicates well with rookies, and with Haig, it's because they're trying to develop him, and with Sandheim, it's because of this. And, like, yes, every single one of the decisions that are made regarding defensemen, you can come up with some sort of, like, rationalization as to why. But then when you take a step back and you realize that like seven or eight times they've made decisions that run totally counter to any evidence-based thinking aside from who happens to be on the ice for goals for and goals against, you start to think, do I even trust these guys to decide who's good and who's bad? Like, my, you know what m- one of my big fears is? Is like Robert Haig is going to get like a, a five-year, $25 million contract to be a second-pair defenseman for the next half decade. And... <laughs> I don't hate Robert Haig, but he's not that good. And then they're going to trade Travis Sanheim because he never can stop making dumb decisions in the defensive zone, even though the Flyers are doing perfectly fine when he's on the ice. Like, I worry. And and I, I agree with you that, like, I don't think... I'm not mad about this team now. I'm enjoying watching them play well. I'm enjoying the progression of certain players in, in, in on the team. I, I'm generally positively predisposed towards the team at the moment. But I am very concerned that the flaws in how they're evaluating defensemen are going to hurt this team two, three years down the road when they're actually competitive. Right. More, and, oh, sorry, go ahead, no, go ahead. I was just no. going to say, that's, that's my biggest problem, is that we have been waiting for so long for this window to open up when we're supposed to get all of these kids and things are supposed to be good. But like Charlie just said, if they're not capable of choosing the correct batch of those kids to put together the best team, we're not going to have that fun window that we've been waiting for for like three years now. We're not going to get it because yeah. they're not going to give it to us. That's And I think more than the Sanheim stuff, because if they have issues with this game, they want to develop, sitting him is asinine. Yeah, totally. If you're not going to play him, which I believe, again, believe he should be playing, but finally they made a decision, okay, he's going to play hockey somewhere because we're paying him. His job description <laughs> is hockey player. so he <laughs> Hockey players should play hockey. Yeah, Amazing, he should huh? get to go play some hockey somewhere. That's wild. Uh, so, okay, they made a decision there. I think it was dumb, but they did it. Uh, the idea that... And it's been this push on the broadcasts recently. Robert Haig. I, I like on. Haig. Before, I think before we move I to think Haig. Haig's going to be a good... But this is more about the evaluation stuff, and I want to okay. get to the Alt-Sanheim-Manning nonsense. But to think, like, Haig is a second-pair defense... Like, no, this guy is going to be a role player. He might be a damn good role player one day. But he's a role player. Like, I just... Why? Why do we need him and Manning and Gudis all in the line? Like, well, there, why is Gudis getting third pair minutes and yeah, right? getting second? There is one thing that I want to I want to bring up here because it's something that I don't think it, it makes sense when you hear it because it made sense when I heard it, but it's not something people think about. So, the broadcasters get access to the coach before every game, and they're allowed to ask the coach questions. Then, like the coach is generally fairly responsive to, like much more responsive than he is to the normal media. So I tend to believe that when like when you hear 
one of those types of comments on the broadcast, I think that's coming directly from the coaching staff. Oh, I definitely believe it's coming from somewhere in the organization. Yeah. It's like some sort of sell job. That's yeah. what worries yeah. me exactly. about it. Exactly. That's what worries me about hearing it when they're like, Robert Haig, maybe you don't notice him, but he's actually the best player on the entire team. He <laughs> might be the only all-star. Did you like, know I'm that like, he leads rookies in hits, fam? <laughs> Yeah, and like that's like people will like <laughs> I was saying something on uh, and we'll, now we can get back to saying Hyman Manning. Uh, I was saying something in a, maybe my third Tuesday or Thursday post game, one of them last week, and I said, okay, you put a puck at center ice, only Manning and Sandheim are on the ice. Sandheim wins a hundred to zero. That's a good point. Sandheim, someone is in the comments like, well, Sandheim has no compete level and no grit. That's why he would never get the puck from Manning. I was like, all right. The <laughs> reason the he are looks like, oh, that, and that's something I would like to say, though. The reason that maybe Sandheim sometimes look like he's not trying all that hard is because he's an awesome skater. It's the Jeff so, like, Carter, Mike Richards yeah, again. He takes a couple of strides and he's where he needs to be. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this choppy, like, I got to get there desperately. Like, no, he's already there. He won the race, and now he's looking to do something with the puck. Like, I, it's it, it, it made me laugh so hard. I'm like, is that what you think? Do you think if those two played one-on-one, Brandon Manning would win? Because that's craziness. Oh, boy. So going into the, the news of the day. So the news of the okay. day was, while everyone was recovering from their hangover, the Flyers announced like, that they did at, at like 8.30 a.m. That, that was Travis like a, Sanheim a is Friday news down. dump. Oh, it totally was. Totally Sports was. move. Yeah. Travis Sanheim is getting sent down to, to Lehigh Valley, and Mark Alt was getting called up to basically function as the seven in case someone yeah. gets sick. And <laughs> this was on the uh, – this was in the wake of Hextall giving media access oh. on Friday – Finally, and and that got people very angry with the things he said. Oh, so boy, I, 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 I will now give the floor to it's, you guys. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not what are mad. you trying to say, Charles? I said I'm not going to be mad about the team and the results because they're winning. But when I hear these words, oh yeah, they are ridiculous. Someone do the honors. It's like, I need to find the exact yeah, words. Yeah, here oh, they they're are. on the Can outline. Me- are they? Well, yeah. there, there's one I quote. I think Steph is yeah. looking for I'm others. I'm looking for all of them. Oh, all the quotes. So, oh, okay. Well, I'll kick it off okay. while Steph is looking for Thank quotes you. because there was there was a line in this quote this that, like, I legitimately oh, yeah. and I was standing there. I legitimately almost started laughing because, <laughs> because it was it was so insane. It's so the, the the full quote is: If you look at the whole year on Travis, he's I think he's played well for us. He's had his moments, but he's a young. And, and when he said he had his moments, I think he meant like he's had his bad his moments. Hiccups. So yeah. like, he's had his moments, but he's a young player, and that's going to happen. Obviously, I don't like him sitting, and the coaches don't like him sitting, and I'm sure he doesn't like sitting either. Something will break here at some point. Okay. If only someone were in charge. The the coaches (laughs) don't like him sitting. Oh? Well, obviously they do because he's sitting. <laughs> They're sitting they could him, put right? him in the lineup if he, they really wanted to. The fact that he's not in the lineup implies that the coaches do want him sitting. This is where I got off run. Like I understand that a coach hi- or a, a GM hires a coach and lets him loose. You hire the man to do a job, so you don't micromanage coaching decisions. However, at some point, you're the boss and that's, of this man. And last year, I got on, like, I was mad more at Ron Hextall than I was Dave Hextall last year over uh, yeah. Chris Vandevelde being Which like, is fair. the captain mm-hmm. of the team. It's fair. Because I said, it's his job to take away the coach's toys. Yep. Like, you take away the toys and you make him eat his vegetables because <laughs> he's a goddamn, like, you're in charge. But I do believe the coach should make the lineup day to day. It's just on the general manager to give him the right pieces. Um, this is, you gave him Brandon Man, like, 
You gave him seven guys, six of them okay, and then Brandon Manning, no, no, whose role in this I league mean, is the seven. I mean, you. But let's not forget that Andrew McDonald is still here <laughs> know, and still Andrew part McDonald, of. No, just, because, about him. just because we've gotten really sick no, of complaining about him does not mean that not he's not a problem. That. It's not just that. I believe McDonald's minutes are an issue, but I do believe there do need to be some veteran leaders, and he does fill that role everyone talks about. I believe he should be playing third pair minutes, and I wouldn't have a huge problem with him if he was doing that. Uh, but every, I can only hear guys repeat the same shit about him so much until I just believe it. But Brandon May. Manning being a veteran leader is absolutely ridiculous to me. Uh, yeah. If Andrew McDonald's only role was I play 16 minutes and Ivan Provorov asks me, what should I do in this situation? And I say, well, I do this, so you should do the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be totally cool with that. Uh, so the other things that Ron Hextall said, mm -hmm. um, I, I just pulled up the... Does anyone know where my car keys are? Right. Gird so, so all of the things that Charlie said, <laughs> something will break here at some point. I think he's played well for us. He's had his moments, but he's a young player, and that's going to happen. I don't like him sitting. The coaches don't like him sitting. That one just That me. is the one. That is. If just... only somebody could do something about this. That, yeah. And that leaves me to hold who on. Who's in charge? Well, no, nobody. nobody. Yeah. The inmates are in the we asylum. that up in terms of who's Brandon Ron Manning. actual boss. Brandon does, Manning. Does, yeah, like, so, <laughs> well, I, I've also answered that Vanderbilt? question for you like eight times. No, but um, like, the, he, the rest of the quote is, I don't want a young player sitting as long as he sat. Life is not going to be handed to you just because you're a first round pick or a highly paid guy. You have to earn things. You've got to pay your dues and you've got to earn what you're going to get. Ew. Those two paired with Everything else that he said is a big fucking problem oh, yeah. in the organization. Like if you're if I understand saying you've got to pay your dues, you've got to pay your dues, but that should not be a barrier to entry in the NHL. You shouldn't not be playing at the level that your talent says you should be playing at because you haven't paid your dues. Like that is the most asinine line of thinking that I've ever heard. Yeah. Now, granted, they're not doing that with Nolan Patrick, so I can't scream too loud about it. No, but that's the thing. It's, it's all very arbitrary. Some guys are punished for making mistakes on a regular basis. Some guys aren't. Some guys have to pay their dues. Some guys don't. Some guys need AHL seasoning. Some guys don't. It's, it's all very arbitrary, and that's the other thing that's very frustrating because it's like, okay, if you are saying that you're going to hold guys accountable for making mistakes over and over again, then do that. But it's only a certain few, and they're always rookies. Yeah, and like, let's be clear: like, no one wanted to see Nolan Patrick get benched, no. even no. though he was playing poorly. But it's just that, like, he yeah, yeah. there was a strong case to be made that he deserved no. to be benched based on his quality of there play, based a on all of the other things. Like Travis Konechny remains in the coach's doghouse for a, a full season and a half. If if he had done half of the things that Nolan Patrick had done in one game, like. It, whatever um he would be benched like he would be stapled to the bench or in the press box so like there's no consistency here and then just this this piece of the quote life is not going to be handed to you just because you're a first round pick or a highly paid guy i'm looking straight at andrew mcdonald i'm yep. looking i'm looking right at um your old well yori latera absolutely <laughs> <laughs> Yori Latera, who now plays oh in God. all situations, even though he was a healthy scratch and not good enough to play in the beginning of the season, is now a stalwart on the fucking power play and the 
penalty kill. The power sniper. play one is sniper just baby. baffling. Like, I, I'll I don't never under, get I just, over it. I don't understand He's how got three points. I don't understand how <laughs> Dave Haxtall is is looking at this man and saying, you know what, you are definitely good enough to play right now. You were not earlier, but right now you're good enough. So here's here's he put another in his minutes stuff. Here's another quote he that did. maybe this, he didn't complain that he was scratched. This was one that that jumped out at me as interesting. It wasn't one that got a lot of press. I didn't even really find a way to fit it into my article, but it was interesting because of what it speaks to in terms of like the things we complain about constantly. So here, here it goes. It was specifically about young players versus veterans. Um, so basically, start we start asking. I believe actually Rob Parent got in this line. I think it was a, it was a good line. It was a good line of questioning. It was really really insightful in terms of what we got out of Hextall. Just didn't necessarily make you feel good. So it's like. A veteran who is playing really well, you have trust in him based on his last, say, 10 games. If he starts to fall off, you lose a bit of trust and his minutes go down. It's not a lot different with the older guys and the younger guys. Sometimes with the younger guys, the ramifications are higher. He might get pulled out of the lineup for a guy who's a little bit more trustworthy. But everybody's minutes basically go up and down based on trust. What's interesting to me about this is Hexall is flat out admitting that if a rookie struggles, he will get benched. If a veteran struggles, his minutes will just get cut, but benching is not a consideration. And that, to me, is bizarre. Mm-hmm. It really is because, like, you're basically saying that veterans have this pass. That, yeah, they're, they might lose minutes, but they're not going to get pulled out, whereas young players will because I guess I guess we think that's going to help them. Because they we, haven't put in their time Whereas yet. with veterans, like, benching them isn't going to help them, so we're just going to cut their minutes. That's, and I love the—I love this, like, circuitous line of thinking, basically. Uh, Travis a and I just needs experience. Well, you're not playing him. <laughs> yeah, you know, and he doesn't have any experience. If he, had, <laughs> if he just had a little more experience, we could depend him. On, we could depend on him. Uh, well, you're gonna give him the experience? No, no, yeah. we're not. So I had an, an interesting interaction with Bill Meltzer today on Twitter um, about this very thing, and he be- and you know one assumes that Bill knows a bit more about where this team is at. You know, considering his access, right? Yeah. So his thing was that... Oh, God, this is going to make me angry. I remember seeing this. Yeah. The Flyers are trying to make a playoff push, and they can't allow a rookie like Travis... Tra- I don't know why I keep talking like I have a weird... Travis Sanheim. <laughs> Travis! They, they, can't, they can't allow a player like Travis Sanheim to work out the kinks and learn the game and get over those rookie mistakes while they're trying to make a playoff push, which, again, to me is a huge problem because organizationally I would hope that they would find more value in Travis Sanheim working out the rookie kinks than making a first round playoff push where they get swept by the and caps that's or the whatever. Other, it's not like they have he some proven veteran who maybe has just fallen off. Right. Yeah. Like he's not playing behind Mark Streit now. Yeah. He like, if it was okay, well, Mark Streit's the veteran He's the assistant, blah, blah, blah. No, it's, Brandon Manning. Yeah, th- this is who this, is not good. Yeah, this is something that that I've I actually I made this point I believe in my comment section of one of my articles a few days ago. I don't buy the like the short term long term thing where it's like well Sanheim will be better in the long term but Manning's better in the short term and they're looking to make the playoffs. But okay, even if even if I I concede that goal based metrics are the way to judge defensemen and Brandon Manning is actually better than Travis Sanheim right now. And I don't actually believe that, but I, I for the sake of this argument I will concede that <laughs> that Manning is better than Sanheim now. 
this isn't just like a, well, if we play Sanheim now, we're going to be worse now, but we'll be better in two years, and we need to think about now. If they play Sanheim now over Manning, there's a good chance that Sanheim by, like, March is really good. And he's much better than Brandon Manning will be in March. And to me, I feel like playing Sanheim is like a middle-term thing because you let Sanheim work through the kinks now. You let Sanheim maybe make some mistakes and and whatever. Then maybe by March, his goal-based numbers are matching his amazing shot and chance-based numbers. And then you have another really good defenseman to help you possibly get to the second or third round in the playoffs. Instead of sticking with Brandon Manning, who is going to be the same Brandon Manning as he is now in March and April. He's not getting any better. He's Brandon Manning. Playing Sandheim is the upside play to possibly go further in the playoffs because you let him work through his shit now, and then in March and April, he's holy shit good. And the thing is, what's super frustrating is when he was playing, we saw him sorting out some of those kinks. He was not playing terribly. He was getting better. He had some bumps, and as soon as the bumps got to be too bumpy, it was like, all right, you're done. Enough of you. We need grit and I also just, glue. I, I, I... I have some good news, though, gang. Oh, do uh, you though? Yeah. The Eagle, Eagles are the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's it, we're like fifty games into the year, and Brandon Manning's off the power play. Yeah, but playoffs too. Hey, that happened. However, <laughs> who took his spot? Connectney. Did he? Yeah, I thought it was Yuri. And that's no, a, no, I mean Latera's no, still, still in. Still there, but yeah. he, he didn't. I thought he, didn't I take thought he took his spot. spot. No, right. no. So now let's let's right. pivot here because this I think is this, this is th- good here. This, I like this. The best of times, worst of yeah, times. Yeah, exactly. Thing. I like that. that Going the literary stuff. route, yeah. but I, I think this is the debate we've sort of been like like swirling around this entire show. So I just kind of want to set this up. So. We got good stuff going on right now. We got bad stuff going on right now. So go to go through the good stuff. Flyers are 15-5-1 since the end of the losing streak. Young players like Ghost, Konechny, and Patrick are progressing really well. They're looking much better now than they did at the start of the year. Things are trending upwards for them. Ivan Provorov finally isn't playing with third-pair talents. Can I? Can we just pause on Provorov for a second? Sure. Provorov, Ghost. Watching Provorov in the game, what, it was yesterday against the capitals with how frequently he's down low because he can yeah yeah because he knows that he's got a reliable partner he does on a regular (laughs) basis from what i hear um anyway he and and it's just like we were watching at our watch party and i believe it was ed just kept making comments like i can't believe how low provorov is and it was like every other shift because he can now, and it's a beautiful thing. They have a lot of trust in each other for a pa- for a pair that hasn't been like it's really. They both had... went through the same yeah. hazing ritual. Yes. Like they get it. Yeah. They see the, the the darkness in each other's eyes, and yep. they're like, you know, you're good. I, could, I got you. We're good. Like you said to start the show, it's amazing what happens when you put good players with other good players. What do you know? What? Okay, so un- unpausing. Yep. Go ahead. Yeah. Keep going. They have a 25 year old. We talked about last week. A 25-year-old 1C on an amazing contract. The highly paid stars who we were terrified about last year, they're playing like highly paid stars again who yeah. all don't have bad contracts. So this is the good stuff. This is a lot of good stuff. A lot of stuff to be excited about. Now the bad stuff. Bum, 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 Travis Sanheim was sent down because the coach thinks Brandon Manning's better. Hey. Yuri Latera is playing in all three situations. Oh. Valtteri Filpel is still the team's second-line center despite Scott Lawton, and now Nolan Patrick outplaying him on a nightly basis. The common thread with all these bad stuff, 
the apparent belief that mediocre veterans are better than young kids. So the question here, and this is what we've been seeing playing out for the past two to three weeks, I feel like, on social media particularly, is how do we balance out the good, the happiness with the good, with the frustration with the bad? Now, some people have just said, screw it. The results don't matter. I'm pissed and I'm going to be pissed. Other people have said, the results are all that matter. I'm just going to be happy. What is the middle ground? Is there a middle ground? Should yes. We, like, like what, how should we be approaching this run? Because objectively speaking, this run has been good. So here's the thing, and I think that we do it on this show. I mean, you can be happy on a game-to-game basis about game results. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I think Kinect we were all pretty freaking happy. Well, I didn't see it because I was putting money in the meter. <laughs> Thank when you, PPA. When scored the other day, I didn't go, this would have been better with Sanheim. Yeah, right. Oh, like, fuck, you know? I wish they lost. Like, no one's doing that. But you can still, I think, in a critical way, talk about the things that this team is doing that are very, very bad. This organization clearly has some structural, structural flaws uh, that – We've outlined thoroughly here, like (laughs) there are like Charlie's like that. That's our brand, Charles. (laughs) Happiness and also anger. Like don't limit, don't limit my my capacity to feel feelings about this team. I Mm. can be happy that they're winning. I could be mad that Dave Haxtell is still the coach, and I could be really pissed off about the organizational direction. There's one thing I can't get and over, still love and it's Yuri Lasera on the power play. I it is something. At least they took Brandon Manning off, and like we needed a shooter. Like, all right, well, Radko Gudis is right-handed. Yeah, and that he shoots every. That was bizarre to me. Like, uh, if you're really trying Brandon to add a shooting Manning. mentality, why are you not putting Gudis there? And, and like, also, I don't, I like, I don't want Gudis there, but I'd rather no, have him than Matt. You have Travis Sanheim. <laughs> you're gonna go with two D on the power play. <laughs> and you have Travis Sanheim in the two D on the power play. What a time to be yeah, alive. And, you have what Yuri the Lass- fuck are they doing? I think I would rather have Radko Gudis as the net front presence over Yori Latera. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. <laughs> Didn't they used to do that with Hatcher a little bit? I feel like they did that with Darian Hatcher for a while. They might have, They would yeah. move him in front of the net. I feel like Boston's done it with, with Chara. Ke- like, they have. They've like yeah. cycled him down they have. and then got him back to the point and cycled him down. Yeah. Kelly and I were at the Lindros retirement mm. game. I had a little tear. Um. Well, that's not what I was going to talk about. I was oh. going to talk about how I was genuinely shocked every time I saw Yori Laterra on the ice, and it was a lot. I'm going to be honest lot. with you. I don't think he's been that bad lately. I want I mean, to know what drugs you have been doing and if well, you will share, please. <laughs> if you're comparing him latter. to the worst he's absolutely played during his time here, okay. I think maybe that's the situation. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I think maybe the bar was so low. But like the fact that his skates are on the right feet, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> good job, Yori. You lit. You did it. Like you if you go good. outside and eat some friggin' dirt, it'll taste better than dog shit. But that doesn't mean it's delicious. <laughs> like it's it's a very low I bar. Didn't say he was playing well. <laughs> and and, 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 and you know what? That you know what? In lately. my mind, like. One of the reasons why I think he has looked a bit better recently Scott is Scott Lawton. Okay. Yeah. Like, I, I think Scott Lawton is making him look better because and, Scott Lawton has been really good this year. And Ty Goldborn. Oh, and Ty Goldborn, yeah. Well, Goldborn, for the first time on Sunday, actually got Flips actually got minutes. used like a fourth liner. He didn't get like benched for the entire second half of the game because the coach is like, hey, this guy who we're, we're dressing in favor of Travis Sandheim rather than going to 11, 11 forward, 7 defenseman, yeah, yeah, you're just not going to play. That was like, I was all for the Goldborn like, call. You heard me defend it like really you did really it. hard. But like to then play him for three minutes. <laughs> all right, clearly you don't think he's any good. Like, so, or you'd play him. So, 
Just for funsies. <laughs> like, why'd you call him up? Like, right. I wanted to at least see what the guy had, but then you played him for three minutes. It's legit. You know, it's game. legitimately like they think he's like their good luck charm. Which yeah. is which is insane. <laughs> it's like, well, they're undefeated when he's in the lineup. Somebody's not why a mascot, and I forget who it was, but like, yeah, it was it was, was one it, of us. No, it was somebody uh, said he's it, like a mascot. It may have been Ed. Yeah, I think, I think it was at the the watch yeah. party. Which like, yes, that's he's exactly like what he is. Like, I keep wearing my Selleck jersey because the because <laughs> the Eagles keep winning Don't when I wear stop. it. Oh no, I was Don't stop thinking about wearing it today. All right, so like, should I just not shower for you, two weeks? No, you've got to just wear it. No, you can, uh, no I wouldn't shower either. I mean, I, I would not fuck I around shaved, at this point. It's really like it's, starting to don't be a pain do in the anything. Ass. You, no, you've got two weeks. So you made me, you guys made me think of something that I kind of want to talk about if I can take it off the outline for a second. Puppies. So Great or the best? <laughs> yes. So yes. <laughs> Scott, Scott Lawton. Uh-huh. I so love I him. feel like Scott Lawton is the guy that people point to when they want to defend the decision to send a guy down back to the AHL when you think that he should be in the NHL. They point at Scott Lawton and they say, see, he's good now and he was bad before. And in between those two things was a stint in the AHL. So therefore, sending players to the AHL makes them good. And I would say, mm, I have two things it? to say to that. And I want to hear your response first. So I... I would first of all say that you have no way of knowing that the the yeah, sit in the AHL did anything yeah. for him. I would say that if anything, the time in the AHL allowed him to adjust to the idea of being a third or fourth liner and not a first or second liner. That's why I think he his is a special case because right. he had a complete role change. Right. And if that's they the thing, to, like if it they was try to turn Sandheim into a mucker grinder. Robert Haig defenseman, they're yeah, going we, to fail. We, we, we would die. Yeah, he's not it going to do It wasn't like that. Scott Lawton didn't know how to score goals and went to the AHL, and now he knows how to score goals because he got the seasoning. Like, that – the Scott, it, it makes me angry when people point to that because it is a special case, and it can't be compared. And there is – there's no evidence apart from the fact that it happened – that him playing in the AHL has led to him being good. They this wanted season. Scott Lawton to be a second center, and he wasn't that. So they're like, "Hey, you're not going to be this thing, so you got to be this other thing." Right. Like Travis Sanheim, the guys they're maybe not getting the time that we're worried about developing. Like Travis Sanheim is going to be a puck moving defenseman. Yeah. If he's not that, he's not going to be in the league. Right. Right. Like he's not going to just start hitting people and clearing the front of the net and doing. Robert Hague shit. But Scott who Lawton likes to look at people. Scott Lawton goals. was always this talented. Yeah. Scott yeah. Lawton was always perfectly capable of playing this role on this team. The team didn't want to give him this role, or he wasn't willing to accept that he was going to be a third or fourth liner, so his attitude was shitty. I don't know for sure. But it wasn't that he was bad and then they sent him to the AHL and now he's good. That's the that's the connection that people are making and it's not there in my opinion. Yeah. So my, my two things that I have to say to that is the first is that's not giving Scott Lawton nearly enough credit for the turnaround that he has had. And again, he's always been talented, but his ability to, I've got this piece of hair that's in my face and it's driving me nuts. Um, His ability to turn around his, his skill set because Really, I think he did, or, or rather opened up the toolbox a little bit and, and dug around and found something new to be good at. It's impressive. And, and saying that sending him down to the AHL is, not, is what cured him is not giving him enough credit for the work that he did. The second is that maybe we do have a coach in the system that's really good at developing talent. And let me tell you, it for sure as fuck is not Dave Haxtall. 
Like maybe Scott Gordon is actually good at getting the most out of his players. So I I don't disagree with that. I mean, I think I think Gordon for and I've heard people say things about him, particularly in terms of like player usage and stuff that I think are fair criticisms. But it does seem like he's pretty good at the, at the developing of talent thing or maybe this talent. Well, the NHL is such an interesting animal. Yeah, because it's part developmental. league, yeah. part. There's like 32 year olds here who can score yeah. 30 goals <laughs> and wouldn't wouldn't get five in the NHL. Like, it's just a real weird league. It is. So, you know, maybe. Yeah, maybe that did. You know, maybe that played a role. I, I don't know. It's it's so hard. It's so hard with Gordon because, like, maybe he's good at it, or maybe the players are just good. Also, yeah, that, right. that's a thing about Lawton, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do a thing here. Oh, actually, I want I want to have one more thing about Lawton. Yeah. So there is also an, an alternate theory here, which I've seen come up on some uh, like some blog message boards and whatever. And there's there's something that might be might might be said here about this. So Scott Lawton in his 2015-16 season where like he flamed out and like you know, they gave him the third line center role and he didn't do well in it. Is that the season that he died? Uh yeah, the season that ended with him dying. So <laughs> his his performance with one RJ Umberger was really really bad. So he spent so wow. so out of out of the ice time he got, he got about it looks like looking on natural stature, he got about 350 even strength minutes, five on five minutes. 221 of them were with RJ Umberger, who was dead at that point. Like he was literally dead weight. His Corsi four with Umberger was 46.8. His Corsi four away from Umberger was 52.7. Like it is legitimately possible that he was always pretty good. (laughs) He was just with someone (laughs) who shouldn't have been in the NHL. And this season, he got decent line mates, and all of a sudden. He was good. And it wasn't like you gave him superstars. Like, no, he looked awesome just playing good with Lear mates. and Raffle. Love Raffle. <laughs> Love him. But it's not like he was playing with Drew and Voracek. Yeah, yeah. And this is my point. When we talk about AHL, NHL development, whatever the fuck, these guys are either NHL talent or they're not. They are or they are not. And and there's not really a, a, an amount of AHL seasoning that's going to turn a guy who's not an NHL talent into an NHL talent. Maybe on an interim basis as an injury call-up, maybe. But Travis Sanheim is an NHL talent. He doesn't need to be turned into one. Mm-hmm. He's Completely. there already. And There's nothing of- to be gained from him playing in the AHL apart from minutes, which he should be getting here. And I, and I actually think, I think Hextall agrees with that. Like, that was one, one then thing Then make I, your fucking coach well, give him minutes. Which is fair. But I do believe Sorry. that Hextall agrees. Like, the fact that he waited three weeks to send Sanheim down yeah. tells me that he knows that Travis Sanheim should be in the NHL. Like, he was... I can't believe He I was can't praying. It seemed like he was praying that either someone got hurt or someone played bad enough that Hextall was going to change his mind and, and put him in the line. I, like, I still can't that believe... That was po- one part of one of the Hexy quotes that I I was surprised he actually said, and I, I don't have it right in front of me, but it was, you know, thing. He's like things happen that his, when he was like saying something will break soon. He's like things happen, whether it be someone gets banged up 
or actual poor play. I was like, you remember that game Brandon Manning had where yeah. we all sat there and were like, all right, this is it with the Brandon Manning. I don't think I have enough fingers to say right? how many yeah, times which I one? said that this season. Which one of those games, Bill? Well, I, I think, uh, but it was like the Ranger. It was the Rangers. No, game. I know. I know he's had, he's had yeah. a couple the really bad games recently. One. But like, yeah. that one was, he was visibly atrocious. Like anyone who had just sat down and watched hockey being like, oh, 23 is bad, huh? Yeah. Like that. Like, and it was just one of those. I didn't expect him to actually say someone's going to play bad and then we can get Sandheim back in there. Like, I expected him just to go with the, oh, people get banged up, blah, blah, blah. We want a different look. But when he was like, or poor play, I was like, oh, okay, so you know too. <laughs> All right, cool. At least we're on the same page there. Just weird that he didn't come out when he should have. Uh, I just, there's one thing about unlocking skill sets that I wanted to uh, touch on. You talked about maybe... Lawton expanded the toolbox a little, and it was something when uh, it was beginning me of the year. Who said Steph, that. yeah, uh, mm. you. I'm. You <laughs> looked at the smart the one. Royal you. <laughs> yeah, royal you. Uh, <laughs> um, I was. It was this discussion about Connor McDavid and how in the beginning of the year he was getting a lot of shit for his defensive play, and it was like he needs to learn to play away from the puck. And it's okay. Yeah, maybe he does need to learn to play away from the puck, but it's because. He's never in his life not had it. Like, he's yeah. finally like, and Travis Sanheim, while I'm not, I don't want to compare Lawton, I don't want to compare Sanheim to McDavid. He's the best damn player in the league. But L L Sanheim is a guy who's had the puck on his stick his whole career. He's been a guy controlling play. Like, when Sanheim was 15, he was probably the Eric Carlson of his league. So it's probably a little bit different for him. But the only way, and we just get back to it, the only way for him to make this adjustment is to do it here. There's no other way for him to learn the things he has to learn. I know. And yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I know. It's very frustrating. I'm just choosing to look at the positives instead of this one glaring negative that's really stupid the, the one that <laughs> the, the one that it's gives dumb. you the, the bubbling rage it's in your chest so and you dumb. feel like and you might the be having about a heart attack so dumb yeah like oh i wish something would happen you're in charge you like, are you are charge. the person you are the person that has the control you are the one. So, so your answer is to send the man down to the AHL because you can't convince your employee to do his job. Because you can't convince the man that you hired and that you are paying that reports into you to do his job. You wave a talented, decently decent caliber defenseman back to the AHL. Ron Hextall, you are a coward. So speaking of uh, Owned. speaking of ridiculous decisions, isn't it crazy how good a couple of goalies can be when I don't know one doesn't start right? twenty in a row? Seriously, I, I am shocked. Brian Amazing. Elliott was like a new fucking man yesterday. <laughs> he, he looked really like, good, really, okay. really, really good. good. You know when you're super hungover and then you go and get a shower and you just feel refreshed. <laughs> That's yeah, what Brian Elliott looked like. He yeah, looked he did. like the he new man. Good. Like had deodorant on. There was, <laughs> he washed like, his hair he just today. Didn't have shit all over his t-shirt. Like <laughs> he looked like a fresh guy. So this goes back to a point I made earlier in the show. The 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 this false dichotomy between short-term and long-term thinking. And you see it more than anything, you see it with the goalies, with the way Hackstall manages his goalies. Because it's totally fair for a head coach to look at, you know, Day before a game, he looks at his goalies and he says, 
Brian Elliott's the better goalie. He gives me a better chance to win this game. I'm going to start him. Then two days later, Brian Elliott's still the better goalie. He gives me a better chance to win the game. I'm going to start him. And it's it's understandable that if every game is viewed in a vacuum, short-term thinking, every game, the Flyers have a better chance of winning if Brian Elliott starts. However, middle-term thinking tells you that if you start a goalie for 15 straight games, that by March, he might be cooked. So even if... That was the smart thing to do one game, and then the next game, and then the next game, it starts to pile up. And the way that Hacksaws always manages goalies is with this idea that, you know, every game exists in a vacuum, but they don't. Not with goalies. With goalies, you kind of have to give them breaks sometimes. And you have to, you know, get another guy in because maybe having another guy come in for a little bit makes it so if goalie number one gets hurt, the other guy hasn't not played for a month. And that's the thing we ran into just last year, uh, one guy would get hurt, and then you'd run the other one into the ground, and he'd be hurt, and then you'd have no other option but to run option B into the ground, and it, they just kept repeating But, it. like, there's this feeling—I I think there's this this misconception that long-term— when, you, when people say long-term, they think, oh, long-term meaning, like, two years down the road. Long-term can mean two months down the road. You know, mm-hmm. long-term, I'm looking at, oh, um, I'm going to want Brian Elliott to start every night in the playoffs, and if his uh, legs fall off, he's not going to be able to do that. Nope. That's going to mm-hmm. be really difficult for him. Like, I want to I, I, I want to talk talk through this because this is something that, that's mind-blowing to me. Um, so Brian Elliott, so far this year, so far this year, and he's 32, okay? He has 36 starts already. The most starts he's had in a season is 48 in his entire career when he was like 22. Yeah. Like, you're behind like an awesome buff, uh, St. Louis defense. Like, you're literally, it was actually with Ottawa, but, oh, but, okay. but with, with St. Louis, his most games he played in his, he started in a season was 45. So you're basically saying that a 32 year old goalie who is, is past his physical prime, we're going to play him more than he's literally ever played in his entire NHL career. That's insane. Over the guy who you gave an extension and a raise to a couple of months ago. Welp. Well, because the the dumb and bad coach doesn't oh, I, trust him. I, I, actually, actually let, let me let me fix that. So he did have 51 starts in, in, in 2010-11 because okay. he got traded midway through the year. So he had 39 with Ottawa, 12 okay. with Colorado. But still, 51. He's only 15 away. And I don't know if you noticed, but the Flyers have two and a half months left, left of hockey. <laughs> you can start with, with this coach. You can start 15 games in a row. Oh, <laughs> I mean, he started. What was it, nineteen to twenty or eighteen to nineteen? He started. He literally number. started it, every it game in December. Yeah. Didn't yeah, he had December or January seventh, and he was injured for a little bit. But like, there was other time in there where he wasn't. Uh, January seventh was Neuvert's first start since November twenty. Yeah, he started the month of December. Yeah. He started a whole month. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, is, this, is not, this is not good. No. Like, and, and as I said, it goes back to this idea of like every single game, Hackstall rightfully determined that Brian Elliott gave his team the best chance of winning that game. But at some point, you have to take a step back and be like, I can't play him every single game, but I guess you can. I want to do this little, <laughs> I want to harp on something for a little bit because it's Uh-oh. something that's just driving me nuts. And maybe I'm obsessed with Dale Weiss. Maybe. Well, oh yeah, you yeah, have fun with this. Maybe I'm just crazy because he's not even playing anymore. But then I start thinking, all right, he's out of the lineup and his cap hit isn't that bad. So I guess you know, you win some, you lose some. They just lost that one. 
But I look at like what Ron said about him when they signed him, and we've made fun of that. Maybe you know he's a he's going to be a twenty goal scorer thing. Like he's never <laughs> done that before. Why would why would he now? Playing third, fourth line minutes, he's going to score twenty for you. That's ridiculous, Ron. Um, but I look at another guy who say, who signed the same day as Dale Weiss for two years less and quite a bit less money. Uh, Dale Weiss signed a four-year, nine point four million dollar deal on July 1, twenty sixteen. The same day, Michael Grabner oh, signed a two-year, three point three million dollar deal. Mm. Weiss played the first year of his deal at 28. It'll be he'll be 31 when it expires. Grabner uh, played last year at 29. It expires this year. He's 30. So they're the same age, basically. Weiss had 37 goals in 329 career games, averaging a 10 goal pace per 82 with a career high of 14. Grabner had 104 goals in 397 career games, averaging a 21-goal pace per 82 games, with a career high of 34. Uh, Weiss throws a few more hits, but you look at these guys, like the scoring numbers, the time on ice, the role they played. Like, Grabner is an actually good penalty killer. He's got seven career shorthanded goals. Weiss has never killed penalties. Weiss plays on the power play a little. Grabner doesn't. Grabner has 47 goals since he signed this contract. One is not at even strength. It's a shorty. He plays none on the power play. Dale Weiss, 12 fucking goals. He never scores, and he averages about 45 seconds a game of power play time, which means they they've used him on it. If you wanted a cheap role player who was just going to give you third, fourth line minutes, you know, do that kind of stuff, cheap maybe you can add some scoring punch why didn't they sign the guy who could actually do those things that's who michael grabner is hmm. you, you know who's really good friends with michael grabner michael roffle they're but, from the same town oh, in austria no, they're same town sake. the same town they're best friends how crazy must it be to be from that town like how many austrian nhlers are there uh three and two of them are from the same town and two of them are brothers michael roffle his brother Someone else, Raffle. Bob. Bob Raffle. Bob Raffle. That's and like brother, Sean, or whatever it is. <laughs> no, I can't. I, I know his brother's name, but not right now I don't. So. Ron or something. But, like, that would have been a really good fit, is all it I'm saying. It might not have been bad. So, the two reasons I suspect why they, they chased Weiss over Grabner. Number one. More? Number one, it's the size thing. Absolutely. Because Hextall, in those exit interviews, did say something to the extent of, like, when we need to get to the dirty areas more. Mm -hmm. And then he goes after Dale Weiss, who, like, I guess that was the thing. It's like, well, he's big. He'll get in there and he'll score some dirty goals for us. Number two, <laughs> I do think that Grabner fits well in New York because he's a very fast player and he plays a transition game and that's the only style that New York plays. So I don't think Grabner would be this would be as productive in Philly as he has been in New York. However, he still would have been better than Dale Weiss. Oh, yeah, no. Grabner's like a big boy though. He's just, he's skinnier. He's is 6'1", he? 188. Weiss is 6'2", 206. It's but, not a huge difference. It's just that, remember when I, I was making the joke? I think it's stylistic, too. No, yeah, it's stylistic. Remember when I was making the joke about one of the national broadcasts where Doc, I think, said four times, the rugged Dale Weiss. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> Three hits his whole goddamn time here. I guess he was known as, like, a rugged guy before. Maybe I he just it. didn't shave one day and he became rugged. <laughs> also, I feel like oh, damn, it's Dale is yeah. a very rugged name. Yeah, he's just named like a Dale. Truck driver, like, yeah, driver you know is Dale. he drives a pickup. Oh, for sure. He definitely drives a pick. His name Dale is Dale. Dale Weiss drives a minivan. <laughs> yeah, but like an is, old, is like true? one of those big no. old ones. <laughs> like, it's true for me. Okay. That's like tan, and it's got like the bed above yeah. where you drive. <laughs> no. That kind of minivan. No. 
He drives a double-decker bus. He yes. takes it everywhere. No. And there's nothing wrong with driving a minivan. Just there's nothing badass or even... Remotely rugged. I just looked tailwind. at these numbers after no. I watched Grabner do exactly what he does, cause a turnover in the neutral zone and take it on a breakaway and put it in the back of the net. He's got 47 goals like? in the last year and a half. Um, I watched him do this, and I looked up the numbers. I was like, what did he sign for? Like, that was like a nothing... Oh, okay. Oh, it was that. It was the same free agent class as Weiss. When did he sign? Oh, he signed the first day, just like Weiss. Huh. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. And that is all the time we no, have wait, for you. No, wait. It's not. It's Steph Driver has some words to say. Uh, um. So as you may oh, or may 12, not. they're 12-5-1 since the 10-game uh, losing streak. So they're actually. Those can can the I words. say my yeah, words? Now you can finish. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so as you may or may not have noticed. Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to punch you in your fucking face, and I'm going to throw this tomato sauce, you know, in your eye. Don't do it. We have added another podcast to the Broad Street Hockey offering. So now we are a conglomerate. Yeah. Um, check Check out Fly Purbly, which is hosted by Steve and Craig. Um, Follow me on Twitter, Steve. (laughs) Follow Bill on Twitter, Steve. (laughs) Um, they are our friends. They are now part of Broad Street Hockey, and we really like them, and they're very funny. So oh make God, sure they're so funny. They're very funny. Make sure you check out Flyperbole. We will still be the, the flagship BSH radio podcast. We're not going anywhere. We just offer now another weekly podcast so that you don't ever have to be alone with your Flyers thoughts. You're going to have us at all times. We hired funny people. I don't like. Yeah, it's not. Your they're, like not they're not. They're not as Sorry, funny Bill. as us. You're gonna like, push you out. I don't like people coming in to nah. my laughs. They're not as funny as I'm us. Not a fan of it. Let's not get crazy. They're, they are is, funnier than that us. All the, <laughs> that's all the time we have for you on Broadway <laughs> Hockey Radio this league week. Thank you for watching live on Facebook. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you're one of those on-demand people, you listen to it whenever. Thank you for that as well. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.